Okay, and welcome to another week of the Base Training Podcast. Um, I'm here again, as always, with Stefan Winder and Will Strafty and myself, Lee Carter. Um, and as always, we're going to quickly tell you as super fast as we possibly can to get it out of the way, because I know you all want to listen to the content, where you can find us. So you can find base more information about Base Training at info at base.training, that's our email. You can also search us on Instagram at Base Training UK. Um, you can also find our website www.base.training and the podcast, so you can go back and listen to some more podcasts. Um, Stefan, where can everyone find you? Uh, find me on Instagram at coach underscore Stefan underscore Winder on Facebook Stefan Winder Strength and Movement Coach, LinkedIn Stefan Winder MSC, and email Stefan at base dot training. Boom. William, what about yourself? Um, so on Instagram, coach underscore Will underscore Strath D, LinkedIn Will Strath D, Facebook Will Strath D Health and Fitness Coach. Email is Will at base dot training. Excellent. You can find myself. Lee Carter UK on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. My email is lee at base.training. Um, so that's where you can find us all. And we did that in 90 seconds. Bosh. Yes. <laughs> New record. So today we're going to be talking about program design um, and more specifically how to structure energy system training for health. Um, I think first thing first, we need to define what energy system training is, um, if those of you that don't know. And I always like to go to Stefan, because he always has a good definition of what uh, of, of whatever we're talking about. So Stefan, define energy system training for us. What is it and why should people do it? Nice and short. All right, uh, I'll be as quick as I can. So energy system training, um, so we have two types of energy system. We have aerobic and anaerobic. So one is with oxygen, one uses less oxygen. Um, there's two types of anaerobic, we've got alactic and lactic, and then also we've got our aerobic. Um, so energy system training is developing these systems to either be more, well, to be more proficient at utilizing oxygen within those two environments so that we can live long and prosper. RIP Spock. Excellent, <laughs> Excellent stuff. Perfect. Um, so we're going to be talking about for energy system training and development for health, as I said, for all of the stages. So beginners, intermediates, and advanced level clients. Uh, more so on the side of the, I suppose, age spectrum from a younger person to kind of middle-aged person. Um, and we could probably talk about the other side as we get old and we move into old age another time. Um, so for a beginner, well, where would where would you start? I mean, we're like a broken record. Every time we ask the question, they have the same answer. We have to assess them. Um, <laughs> so obviously, we'd start there. But typically, when it, training energy systems, we're going to start with aerobic energy system. Um, it's the easiest one to train. There's a lot more applicable methods when training the aer uh, aerobic system. Um, and for a beginner, it's the one that they're going to get the most benefit from. Um, yeah. So we'll start with the aerobic system. Perfect. I like to use the assault bike for assessments for beginners. Reason being, yeah. it's super simple. There's n very, very little, if any, skill element to it. Um, and for a beginner, they can push a little bit harder on it. They can dig a little bit deeper. And you can garner a lot from a 10-minute assault bike. Um, we can get a good idea of, do they know how to pace? Um, do they have the strength to move the bike, firstly? Uh, not necessarily move the bike, but move, turn the wheel. Um, the bike is static, <laughs> for those that don't know. Um, so yeah, I really like that as a test. Have you guys used any others for beginners? Yeah, my the one I like to use is the, the Cooper test. Uh, the Cooper run, it's a 12 minute run and essentially that person is trying to clock up as many, uh, you can use whatever metric you want to measure the distance as long as it stays consistent, um, but you're trying to get the, as much distance as you possibly can in those 12 minutes. So starting out at a sustainable pace in that, in that run and then you're basically building on your pace to your threshold essentially where you can't run any, like, any faster, any harder uh, until you reach that 12 minute limit. And then 
you register how the distance you've achieved and you use that to work out a baseline VO2 max using an equation. Um, not incredibly specific. Uh, I'm not a big fan of equations, but because they are outdated, but um, it's a good starting point for someone who is training for health. What what is what are the contraindications? Because I said with the assault bike, there's there's very little that can go wrong with an assault bike. Like there's very little eccentric loading, so muscle damage is limited, all that sort of thing. Um, what are the contraindications of a, a Cooper test, like for beginners especially? So when wouldn't you use that? Um, so I wouldn't use it if there's someone who's got a significant injury or coming out of an injury, um, specifically in the lower portion of their body, uh, so like a knee, hip, ankle injury, because um, it is load-bearing. Um, but we are on two feet every day, we are walking around, so even if that person just walks, you're still going to get a distance, because that is their capacity at that point in time based on the injury. So uh, that's kind of why I like it, because it's specific to something, a task that they're going to do for the majority of their life. Okay. I like it. I think it's important that, obviously, we've by the point we've doing a capacity test with them, we've done our movement test, we've seen if they've got any imbalances left or right. But another thing you have to take into account is just their general... Uh, build somebody might be too small to use an assault bike uh, we've seen that in the past we've tested people on rows and assault bikes and they're just a very small person that struggles to have the same output on a fixed piece of machinery they would be better off running it kind of alludes to the point that it needs to be specific doesn't it it needs to be yeah. tailored and individualized as always uh, and that is our kind of mantra that a program a program that has been designed for you sh- needs to be if you want uh, a good response from the program and a long-term response as well it needs to be tailored and individualized um, so when we're selecting a, like that we've done the test we've got a measure when we're trying to train it now um Stefan before the uh call talked about the specificity of the mode um for and depends on the goal so Stefan could you talk a little bit about that yeah um so yeah as we were just saying like the test needs to be specific to that individual based on their goals so if this person is uh, like a fun runner they do their park run every weekend doing 5k um then that's your indication so that's your test how quickly can they do a five kilometer run? Um, and then based on that is gonna give you your mode for your energy system training. So there's no point put me putting them on a bike for 20, 30 minutes when they're gonna get more benefit from running because that's what they want to do. So yeah, it's bit, so that's an example where the sport is the training and the training is the sport. So that's quite an easy one but then if you've got someone who literally likes everything they like walking they like running they like cycling they like swimming uh, then use all of those things so whatever their week is that is going to be your priority um i think swimming is a great one because you can get so much benefit out of it because we don't do it often enough so you're going to see adaptations occur really really quickly um you can do it as fast or as slow as you like um, it's really good for asthmatic people like myself uh, if you're doing hypoxic widths so just going side to side under the water pop back up going across the other width uh, underwater that's a really, really good way of developing your uh, aerobic threshold in a really short period of time it's kind of like interval training in the swimming pool but no, nowhere near as intense um, yeah it's the specificity of most really dependent on their goal so you can do mixed modal training um, involving isometrics and carries and planks and bracing work and all this kind of stuff. You can do at super low intensity for prolonged periods of time. Go out for slow runs, um, pacing runs. So whatever their threshold was in that Cooper run, you can use that pace and do repeated intervals. Um, and then, like I said, swimming is a really, really good way. Sustainable swimming, um, cycling, rowing, all these things really, really useful. But again, yeah, it has to be specific to that person. 
I like it. It depends when we generally after we start. It's always, I think, with the aerobic system and energy system, it's always important for a beginner, especially, to build a solid um, base in their training. <coughs> Get it? Base training. <laughs> well, I wanted to throw that one in since we <laughs> talked about this uh, at the start. Um, <laughs> poor jokes. Uh, yeah, so I really think it's important to build a very solid aerobic base. Um, I once had a, a coach who was coaching the he coached Gemma Gibbons to Olympic gold in judo, and he mm -hmm. said to me we, when we were talking about energy systems, and this is more sports specific, obviously, that if a athlete um, hadn't achieved a or that what he would deem as the required level of an aerobic base by the time they're eighteen, he would put put them to the side as an athlete until they've develop that um it's like because uh, up until that point your 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 ability to um really maximize your aerobic system is starting to diminish after like 18 20 years old uh, how much i agree with that i don't know i think there's still there's a, a lot of improvement you can make in it but i do see where it is coming from from a, for elite olympic sport and um, to get to the top level i mean you don't see many people break elite level sport like true elite level not age category when they're 50 years old you don't it just doesn't happen um so i think it's really important to build a base of uh, training both from strength work and in the aerobic system reason being is it's going to help you recover later on so when you get to that advanced level when you build up loads of skills and um you're training like a demon and you're super healthy super happy your ability to recover from each workout is going to be dependent upon your aerobic system. Um, how quickly can it remove metabolites? How quickly can it replenish energy? Um, and that is going to impact upon your performance in training. You see. Um, so when you're doing a workout, for instance, your ability to keep moving for a specific period of time, let's say it's you, by that point you're an advanced client looking for health, you want to do a Tough Mudder, or a uh, half marathon, your ability to keep moving is really dependent upon your aerobic ability. When we are trying to design a workout, Will, what sort of timeframes would you like start a client on? Um, let's say we've assessed them, we've gone through all the prerequisites, um, we've done a Cooper test, for instance, their goal is to be healthy, so decreasing body fat and get a little bit stronger and fitter. Um, yeah, what sort of time frames would you start them off in? Um, so when aerobic training, it's best to move from endurance to power. So you're doing it in a long, long time. Over time, decreasing the time that you're working for, becoming more powerful, I suppose, in terms of your power output across the time. So I'd love to start everyone with like, two hours of uh, walking and effectively turn that into a loaded carry for two hours. But you find me a, a gym goer that has a job that can spare two hours to train. Uh, it's not going to happen. Um, so to do somewhere between 45 minutes to an hour, that's roughly how long they've got to spare. So you, when it comes to training for health, you've got to think people have lives. Have to take that into consideration. What's going to fit within their uh, lifestyle routine? and what is going to be best for them, weighing up the both. Um, so typically I start people 45 minutes to an hour um, of just very sustainable, easy aerobic work where they can just keep a very steady pace, focus on their breathing and their movement. So long, working down to short. Okay. I do just want to play devil's advocate with Stefan for a minute. Go um, for it. He said if he's got a runner, he's not going to stick them on the bike because obviously they're, runner, they're going to get more from running as they're training. Yeah. Um, what, what about just sticking them on the, on the bike to accumulate volume for aerobic contractions? Well, if you, when you train aerobically, you're getting aerobically fitter at that task. Right? Yeah. So the contractions on a bike are very different to a run because you've got more eccentric load, as Lee mentioned earlier. So if I'm taking the eccentric loading out, but I'm still building volume by breathing, 
yes, that can be beneficial to metabolize uh, fat and glucose, but in terms of the actual load-bearing and weight-bearing element and the specificity and the carryover to the sport or to the task, um, it's not really going to help them um, mechanically, if that makes sense. So yeah. I, I prefer to just get running, unless, of course, it is like a, an active recovery session, uh, then sure. But in terms of actual trying to get better at the specific task, I'll get them to do the task because it's the only way they will improve. Because you yeah. can't simulate the task in any other way than doing it. I think See, I, I'm not. I, I knew that. I just wanted you to kind of explain that for the for the listeners. <laughs> I think um, so. yes. Like, it, if they run seven times a week, they might become injured. Overuse of like and the overuse of the eccentric contractions. So they they can accumulate the volume aerobically another way, but it won't yes. carry over to the task as specifically but it will benefit them yeah so um, they should they shouldn't just exclude every other mode of training they do need to incorporate them it's just not going to have as much carryover yeah that comes down to the building of a base again doesn't it yeah Uh, so like what is their work capacity right now what can they tolerate in terms of days of the week and then how can we extrapolate and build that up over time yeah it comes down to that specificity part isn't it like both points or from what uh, Stefan said about the specificity of the actual training mode to what Will said about where you start people. It, as always, it really depends on the client. So um, for someone that's starting in aerobic, as, as Will said, they could start with easy 45 minutes of work. They, they, accumulate, they accumulate some, let's say walking, accumulate eccentric contractions, and they accumulate uh, a bit of muscle endurance and they accumulate some aerobic uh, adaptions. But for for someone that is um, 20 stone of over fat, let's say, they're diabetic and they've maybe got some heart issues from, from the weight that they're carrying, 30 seconds of aerobic work might be enough for them to get an aerobic response. So just I think just because it's a, a longer time frame doesn't necessarily mean or a shorter time frame doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be working a specific energy system. I think that is lost on the general population when it comes to um, obviously hit classes and things. And if you've listened to our podcast and why your hit class isn't hit, um, it'll make a bit more sense. But 30 seconds of work doesn't necessarily mean it's high intense work. It can be like for us walking up the stairs for some people is super aerobic you don't even think about it your body doesn't even register it as demand for someone that's never exercised before that could put them out for a day there's a day's work of exercise that's that's them done Um, so i think it's really important to understand how specific exercise needs to be for you to achieve long-term results and the results that you want not just the kind of results that you get from a, uh, a generic program So when it comes to time frames, it's it, it depends <laughs> as always. Um, generally, yes, we would start someone with a longer uh, time frame. So as, as Stefan uh, Will said, so twenty to thirty to forty-five minutes, and then you stay there for a couple of months, and then you start bringing it down. But they're working at a higher pace, and then eventually move into running. So if someone was to do a Cooper test, but they walked it then again, but that's their pace, that's their race pace they're going to use. Um, and I think when you said, uh, when Will came up with his point about being the devil advocate, devil's advocate, and challenge Stefan's thinking, um, I think it's important to note what Stefan said about going on the bike might be better for metabolite use, and uh, it's going to help burn fat quite well. If you're just sitting on the bike, you can do it every single day. So if your goal is to um, drop body fat, then something that might is more sustainable, because obviously running is quite intense for a lot of people. I know whenever I run, my calves are in pieces, especially if I do like an interval session the next couple of days. Um, so going on a bike might be better for um, a goal such as reducing body fat. It's lower eccentric contractions, especially for most people that want to lose body fat, 
the thing that I've often heard is they want to tone up, they want to increase lean muscle mass and the look of it. So going for a run might not be conducive to that. Um, loads of eccentric contractions that you can't sustain potentially. Um, so you could get rid of those, do your eccentric contractions through resistance training in the gym using dumbbells. It's more sustainable, you're doing reps and sets, it's easier to control, there's less variables, less chance of injury. Um, and then do all your aerobic work on a bike and you'll probably get a better aesthetic look out of it. Uh, whereas running, you're going to be utilising a lot of muscle tissue to potentially fuel that system or fuel that run uh, if it's a long distance one. It's why you see long distance runners, they're generally on the smaller side. They're not massive, bulky uh, weightlifters, um, not the elite level anyway. So if, if, if aesthetics is your goal, it might be a better way to go. Um, but again, if, if you've got more of a sport-esque goal or you just really enjoy running, then use running. Um, I think it's really important to understand the differences between each one and what each one or each mode does and how it impacts upon the body and impacts upon your goal. When we look into the um, design of the workout, I personally like to stick with, for aerobic workouts, um, stick with the basics, like very, very basic types of contraction. Um, so we're, we're generally looking for, um, personally, isometric contractions, something that's super sustainable, that they can continue to do forever, essentially. Um, <laughs> so things like basic movement patterns, hinging, squatting, single leg work, um, core control, upper body pushing and upper body pulling, but all in an isometric or using an isometric variation. So let's say it was um, 45 minutes taken from wheels, you might do three minutes at an easy pace on the bike. You might do um, 30 seconds in the top of a push-up, so a front leaning rest or a front plank. Um, 30 seconds in a isometric split squat on each leg. And you just keep going through that for 45 minutes. You can't go too hard on that. You, you just It's just impossible because on the bike, even if you do go hard, you're going to recover on the um, uh, on the, the isometric holds. You're not going to get out of breath. You're going to catch your breath back. We're starting to build in a bit of muscular endurance there as well. But predominantly, I think for starting off, cyclical modalities are the way to go. Um, partly because it teaches pace. And learning to pace as a beginner is really, really important. Um, even if you're a, an athlete, learning to pace is extremely important because if you don't pace and you become unsustainable, then you lose. Um, and in real life, if you become unsustainable in something, um, you might lose your job. You might, um, might not be able to run away from that fight that started in the bar. Uh, it's... it's uh, so pacing is incredibly important and sustainability is important. Do you guys use anything different? Have you got any different ideas around that? No, not particularly. <laughs> I was going to say, um, like the good thing about, like you used the example of three minutes on the bike um, and then going into the isometrics. Good thing isometrics, they can't, because they're obviously not moving, they can't move too fast. Yeah. Give someone a set number of reps to do they might smash them up really quickly and then need to rest afterwards. So giving them something that they can't actually move fast through mm. is important to teach them the pace because they can only move so fast I and do it at a certain time. It also, I think it also helps to take the focus away from the score. Because we're, yeah. I think humans, I think there's a big movement to try and gamify everything just to keep people interested in stuff. Whereas... What I've found in the past is that as soon as people move away from that and they focus on the quality of movement and they focus on their breathing and they focus on being sustainable and they focus on maybe hitting the same time per uh, per round of ex per round of exercise in a workout. And I think the best thing about using isometrics for time in a workout, say you've done three minutes of a bike, you've done a minute on a uh, the isometric split squat so each 30 seconds each leg you've done 30 seconds on a plank and you've done um, 30 seconds in a chin-up hold 
there's five minutes of work. You can't go fast than that. You know exactly how long each round is taking you. So we're already starting to build in. We're forcing in uh, pacing without even potentially the client realising. As soon as you take those away, if you practice that over time, I think that carries over and the person then becomes less focused on the score, um, less focused on trying to beat their score and if they fail, being pissed off about it and miserable about it, um, as opposed to going, yeah, coming out, that was a good workout, I enjoyed that, I had fun, um, I moved a step closer towards my goals. And that is, I found, a positive mindset change that happens when you take the focus off time, you take the focus off a score. Um, beginners, I think we've nailed that. <laughs> Done. Intermediates. Where do we start, Stefan? Uh, again, as I said, same as always, got to reassess. If they're shifting from that beginner stage to the intermediate stage, the only way to dictate whether or not they're ready for intermediate programming is by reassessing. Um, so whatever your assessment was in the previous, you retest using the same. Um, or if their goals change, then maybe a different test will be required. So if they want to start picking up uh, like a team sport, I decided this year I want to want to crack it. I want to give uh, football a go. And then trying to make something maybe uh, a multi-stage fitness test, a bleep test would be more specific and relevant for that person. And based on what they've done in that beginner stage, that's going to allow them to complete the bleep test based on the intervals that they may have completed. Even though it would have been low intensity, uh, this is going to be a good reflection of a team sport essentially. So again specificity in the test specificity in the programming based on the goals um, yeah next question <laughs> um, it's very similar like as you said very similar to the beginners stage I think in design and what the focus is going to be on so they're still focusing on sustainability they're still focusing on the basics um, we're still keeping the workouts pretty specific Although we, we can get a bit more variability in the types of movement that we're using and the types of contraction as well. Um, so we don't just have to use isometrics, I think, at that point. Um, I think we can start move, moving through different movement patterns in those, uh, in those workouts. So instead of doing an isometric split squat, we might do a split squat at a specific tempo, potentially, to keep control of someone, especially if they're on the early stages of the intermediate phase. Um, we might um, do hinging patterns. We might do a good morning now or maybe a kettlebell deadlift. Super light, but we're going through the pattern and we're keeping it sustainable, again, at a tempo, potentially. Time frames. What sort of time frames might you be looking at now? Well, let's say they're in the middle stage of the intermediate, um, uh, a, a intermediate level of client. What sort of time frames would you use? Um, so I'm just going to go very, very broad and general yeah. description. Um, so they're coming down in time. So they've spent, I don't know, the last year as a beginner. Um, they've worked down from 45 minutes to 30 minutes. Um, now as they're moving through to intermediate, you might think about breaking up into uh, three sets of 10 minutes with two two to five minute rest so they can work at a higher pace. They're still focused on being sustainable. Um, so yeah, you're thinking higher pace, still sustainable, but you're gonna have to add the rest in there so they don't over overcook it. Um, so breaking that up, aerobic work into smaller sets with a higher pace. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie, you doing anything different? Um, no, not particularly. I mean, no, pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think intervals, introduction of intervals and fartlek work is really useful um, for intermediates because that consistent change in pace as well, where they have to know what threshold they can work at and keep changing, chopping and changing uh, is quite important. Their, their ability to develop that, especially if they want to progress into an advanced stage of training. I think that's very, very important to know how to push the threshold and then rein it back in in order to be sustainable over that prolonged period of time. So it could be uh, let's take a fart, 
a fartlek session, for instance, so it's a forty minute session. Um, but then at random times they're going to change, going from a sprint to a jog to a walk, changing direction, going on an incline, on a decline, um, different terrains. Uh, all that, the ability to adjust your speed and work rate based on your situation to make that 40 minutes sustainable without having to stop is going to be incredibly important and intervals are another great way and it's a lot <laughs> a lot more accessible for most people you can just pop down the park uh, you've got two jumpers you can run between two jumpers or uh, walk between two jumpers whatever it is um, um, you seem, yeah you and... seem obsessed with jumpers <laughs> <laughs> love a jumper um, yeah yeah, I think... And I said with the mixed modal work, um, you can even do intervals with that as well. Uh, just trying to push that pace a little bit harder, but also again still being sustainable. So that rest time allows you to recover in time, so you can work at the, consistently at that higher pace mm-hmm. without dropping. So uh, working for time again is quite useful because they have to make sure that they work for that period of time, um, rather than doing it for for reps because they'll literally just bosh. Like we were saying earlier, if you just got eight reps to do in a circuit a conditioning piece they're just going to bosh it out as quickly as they can try and smash themselves and that's completely opposite of what we need they're not going to get the actual training stimulus out of that they're not going to get the required benefit uh, they're not going to utilize the right energy system yeah i really liked what you said about um when you're doing the fartlet training you've got different types of terrain you've got hills in there i think it's increasing the level of variability within the within the or the you've earned the right to increase the level of variability now so you can start it doesn't have to be as controlled you can start adding in hills and you can um, change the environment and as a coach we don't necessarily have to as much have as much control over the environment so we can say okay go for a run for an intermediate they might go okay i'm going to go to the local country park um but for a beginner we might say go for a run on a treadmill and that's that's the difference um, because we don't want the variability maybe because they haven't got the ankle stability or the hip stability or whatever it is to account for ch- subtle changes in the ground when they're running um, like a, a slight dip they might go over their ankle and it breaks their ankle whereas for an intermediate they have the muscular stability now to take that so I really liked what you said there and I think that carries over to the mixed modal work Whereas we can have increased variability, um, we can, we can make movements more dynamic as well now. Um, I like for that. I still think dynamic work needs to be kept in a sustainable pattern. And what I really like using for that is EMOMs. For those of you who don't know, stands for every minute on the minute. So you might do again, keeping it very general and broad. A thirty minutes. Um, let's say we've taught you to box jump. Now you've now got the power. To express a, a true plyometric box jump we want to start moving that into a sustainable aerobic fashion once we've developed the strength and the muscle endurance and the capacity and the strength endurance at a basic level so we might say okay on the first minute you're going to do five box jump step downs on the second minute you're going to do 30 seconds of brisk walking and on the third minute you're going to do um i don't know a 10 squats let's keep it very simple or 10 push-ups something up a body um, we're making it a lot more variable now we're starting to add um, different modes in so we're starting to add gymnastics in we're starting to add different types of contractions in so very, very much plyometric um, we're starting to add more cyclical work in we're starting to add more weightlifting work in so we, we could call that we could maybe do a dumbbell snatch or bent over row or pull up or whatever it might be um, and on an EMOM it's really good at controlling the person so they have a sp- they're going to have a set amount of rest time they're still going to have to they're going to have to try and figure out the pace they need to move to make it sustainable for 30 minutes um, but EMOMs I think are really good at controlling that and you can just keep it increasing the volume obviously based on their the time that they have available and then you can start moving that to a more unsustainable setting if it's required. Um, I would also, towards the, again, the more middle to later stages of an intermediate client, start thinking about um, the anaerobic energy system. 
So as Stefan said, it uses less oxygen. It's not completely without oxygen, but it does use less oxygen. Um, so we might be thinking about alactic sets. So really short, super high powered uh, sprints, maybe on a, an assault bike or a sprint on through running. Um, so, and then they have two to three minutes rest and they do it again, 10 seconds of work, two to three minutes rest, do it again. However, they do have to have the prerequisites um, in place before moving on to that. So adequate strength, adequate, abil adequate ability to recover, adequate muscular endurance, adequate aerobic ability um, before moving on to that. Because we need to start building the base for the next phase of, of their life cycle as an advanced level client. Um, and that might be, we might do it once every two weeks or once every month for the first year of the second half of their intermediate life cycle, if that makes sense. Because they could be in that phase three to four years, maybe, uh, before moving on to that advanced level. Um, again, all things being equal and they have adequate movement and uh, their ability to adapt and they pick up skills and all that sort of stuff. Um, could be longer, it could be shorter. But we need to start building that base so that when they do get to an advanced level client and they are able to produce unsustainable work, then um, they have the ability to do so as opposed to just going, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> what is this thing? Um, but yeah, um, I think that was it really for interval or intermediate work. Still got to be sustainable. It's still predominantly aerobic. And um, for most people looking for health, then aerobic, a lactic work. So um, they're starting to, they're doing work without the production of lactate as a byproduct. Um, they are, we can start moving towards uh, bringing strength work into an aerobic setting. So we might do back squats on the minute. Um, again, all the prereqs, <laughs> Will's face, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so yeah, we might do back squats every like two or three minutes. It's getting them a little bit out. And they might do an, uh, an easy assault bike in between. So might do back squats, super easy assault bike, like barely moving, something to get them a little bit out of breath and keep aerobic metabolism going. And then into the back squat and they repeat that. I think the great thing about moving through the levels of the client is that variability um, not for the sake of vet, like entertainment, but variability for the sake of increased adaptions uh, is more widely available and we can use it a lot more. And as a coach, we can be really creative and um, in, to get the results, the desired results that the client wants. So advanced level clients, where do we start? Who wants to take this one? Go on, Will. <laughs> <laughs> You've been volunteered. So, vetoed. <laughs> Believe or not, before we start, we'll have to assess them. Oh, blimey. The new one. Yeah, strange. Funny that. <laughs> um, so, just like before, as they've moved from beginner to intermediate, time frame is going to be their aerobic work decreasing, uh, power output increasing. That happens again as they move to um, advanced. Um, kind of the end goal when it comes to aerobic training is as in OPEX it's like 30 seconds on 30 seconds off 20 times or something where you get exactly the same yeah. uh, score let's call it each those 30 seconds so having a short time frame where they can have a very high power output but yet but be able to repeat that uh, quite a few times uh, with no severe drop-off in uh, output is very important when you come to an advanced level client um, and variability of movement is increased again they've got more skills more uh, gymnastic ability more weightlifting ability more muscular endurance more strength control so they have probably four years down the line that they've reached an advanced client they have more right to variables in their training yeah it's the assessment in terms of the what we would use 
it's also going to get a little bit the, the breadth of it is going to increase so we might not just do one test anymore and um, we, we're going to need to see them in a multiple multiple sets of or di multiple types of movement so we might do a cyclical test on its own so, um, like a 30 minute row for that again it's really still relatively low complexity but they can get uh, a good aerobic response out of it there's no real strength component to it um, a 30 minute assault bike as well um, on the same side of things um, we all alluded to the 30 30 times 4 so that is a good test for um, deciding upon whether a client is super powerful or super aerobic or somewhere in between and for the powerful client you might get the first 30 seconds is like let's say 200 meters and then the second 30 seconds is like 50 meters and then the third and the fourth are like maybe 45 and 10. It's a real big drop off between that first and the second one. Um, so that's going to indicate that they're very powerful in aerobic setting. So when we're trying to decide upon the program later on, we might go, okay, this person needs to develop their aerobic system more. They're super strong. That's their strength. Their weakness is their aerobic system. That's where we're going to work predominantly. Um, we're starting to touch on the, the sport side of things, but um, and, and I suppose for a, a, what we want to see for a sustainable score is like 200 meters again. We then might want to see um, 195, then 194, then maybe 194 again, and then they should be able to repeat. When we move on to the sport side of things this athlete there after that four should be able to hold that score 194 score for x amount of sets um and th there's a few different types of scores we might see which elicit or allude to different uh, types of person um i also like a 90 minute workout um which is of rowing so it's a, a long row it's like 1300 meters on the row and do 200 meter farmers carry um I like to use for the guys i like to use a, a 32 kilo kettlebells each hand again it's dependent on the person then do wall walks so that's a gymnastic movement so we've gone cyclical uh resistance and then oh sorry cyclical weightlifting and then uh, gymnastics and double unders so we've got a high skill element in there as well um double unders for those that don't know is skipping you do that for 90 minutes as many rounds as you possibly can that gives a real good insight into your ability to do work for extended periods of time. It gives a good insight into um, your level of muscular endurance as well. Things like grip endurance and scapular control. Um, we're starting to look at the the connection and the difference between doing a, a like a heavy carry straight into an upper body push, um, which is in the wall walks. So you've got your shoulder strength in pushing, you've got shoulder strength in uh, pulling, isometrics, there's varied types of contractions, and I really like it as a test. Um, we're also starting to look at the anaerobic side of training now, as I mentioned in the interval, or intermediate, sorry, uh, level. For assessment, um, we're looking at an anaerobic test. We might do an anaerobic alactic test, so max wattage, 10 seconds. And you do that three times and you take the best score, you take the average score. Um, you might do a 40-yard sprint or a 40-metre sprint, 50-metre sprint. Again, depends on the person. We might do a 60-second max effort row. Um, <laughs> everyone's just shaking their heads like, no, 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 no. Um, I really like the assault bike for it. Again, if you've got the strength to develop um, an aerobic response, then the assault bike is it's the devil for that. It's the, it's the killer. Um, messages. Uh, let's try and turn that off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any any others that you've used in the past or would use for the anaerobic side of things? Anaerobic. Go on, Will. No, go on. Um, so I like to use a, a ramp test. That's one of my favourite ones to use, um, either on a, a watt bike or a, a treadmill. So it's in a controlled set, controlled environment, but you're constantly every every uh, minute. So you go for 
think it's 10 minutes um, at a sustainable pace. And then every minute from then on, you increase the pace till you get to that point where you are now unsustainable. And at that point, you know roughly what your lactate threshold is. Although I don't really like doing lactate threshold workouts. I think they're a bit of a joke and it's torture. <laughs> so <laughs> well, Elaborate on that. Why don't, why don't you like it? <laughs> Because <laughs> um, it really hurts. <laughs> no, uh, so <laughs> so lactate threshold work. Um, essentially, it's again coming back to our why hit isn't hit. You are training in an acidic environment where your cells are actually now breaking down at a rate that they um, so they're unable to repair at the rate that they're breaking down. So you're actually doing more damage to your body than you're getting benefit out of. Uh, you'd be better off combining higher power aerobic sustainable work or sustainable intervals, uh, pushing towards that unsustainability side, but not quite there. Uh, mixing that with uh, alactic power work be far, far more proficient for developing a total body energy system abil- uh, capability than doing lactate threshold work because it's just not fun. It's going to demotivate you. It's like a slap in the face with a. It's like a slap in the face with acid. It's it's disgusting. No one enjoys it, and you only really need it for sport where your sport demands it, where you're pushing that. You've been playing for 75 minutes, and it's a really close game. Uh, say it's the Rugby World Cup's coming up. Let's use that example. So we've got uh, two teams. Got the All Blacks and England playing in the final. It's it's tied 20 all. You've got five minutes to go. As much as you hurt, you have to keep performing at a high intensity and you can't be that guy that drops off in the team. So it will hurt and you need to push. So therefore, at that point, the specificity of your training, lactate threshold work would be specific to the sport. However, it is not something you should make a habit out of. Maybe once a week is okay because it takes a long time to recover. Like I said, it breaks down muscle cells and tissues faster than it repairs them. So your body takes longer to recover from that work as opposed to uh, aerobic and alactic work. Uh, so only yeah, once once a week, once a fortnight maybe to expose the person to that so the body knows how to recover from it and knows how to respond to that stimulus. But as a regular training methodology, it's gash, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, it's, again, we're starting the the line between health and performance and sport gets very blurry at the advanced level. Um, and I think if you are considering anaerobic work and true anaerobic threshold and capacity work as well, then you are you're 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 using you're using sport performance to push your fitness to a point that's past vitality, and you're now moving back towards death. Um, and you're not in you're not training for health anymore i think a lactic work so anaerobic a lactic work has a there i think there there is a small place for that when it comes to health um so you might like i said you might do 10 second sprints um every month uh, it's a good way to to establish whether someone's fatigued and like in a in a that are they pushing on the, the point of uh, vitality and that movement towards death are they on that balance line and I think the, like a max wattage 10 seconds is a good indicator of that it's a good litmus test um, but yeah it, it's always important if you are an advanced level client out there and again quick definition of what we consider an advanced level client it's like you've got um, complex gymnastic skills you've got um, body weight plus back squats, you've got body, body weight and a half deadlifts, you can snatch, you can clean and jerk, um, you've got varied weightlifting abilities through different types of contraction in an unsustainable, unsustainable um, aerobic and anaerobic setting. And you can, you, you're generally just an all-round relatively good athlete. And you have to consider, it is, is your goal performance-related or is it um, health-related? If it's health-related, then we don't really need to work on anaerobic work. As Stefan has pointed out, you're moving into an acidic environment and you're essentially killing your cells off. Um, uh, like, if, if you can recover from that, 
then yes, go for it. But again, you're moving towards sport performance now, where you, don't, you just don't really, you don't need it in real life to be um, to increase longevity. It doesn't really play much of a part. Um, so, quick definition of a advanced level client there. I think the what we've already alluded to is the, the complexity increases now as a, an advanced level client for energy systems. We instead of doing a a workout instead of being an advanced level client or uh, intermediate where you maybe go to the gym you do all the movement patterns so you do squat hinge push pull single leg core and then do a little workout you might now start having a day that looks like um 60 minutes of aerobic work where it's you're doing 10 minute intervals and that's your workout for that day and it might be um quite specific to a, a specific goal that you have in mind for health so maybe um actually again that points on towards sport performance now think about it we're actually trying to keep it very general there um we might do it might be some do some running but it's going to be slightly higher powered um so it's you're going to have to um take a little bit more time to recover and you have to dig a little bit deeper to get an adaption again we're always toying on that gray line between performance and health and that where we want to be is in this point of vitality we're out of sickness and we're at vitality and then if you go too far you end up going back towards death and ill health i suppose and sickness um so the complexity increases we can add more complex movements into the workouts again our opportunity for variability increases as well and we can vary the types of contractions so we can go through isometric um eccentric and concentric plyometric and myometric we can um all within a, a sustainable setting and if we want to and if it's relevant to your goal, we can move it into an unsustainable setting. So we can do anaerobic work within a um, mixed modal setting. But again, we're starting to err on the side of sport performance now. But our choice of movement increases. Um, there's not so much less control, but it's more it's more targeted to specific weaknesses now where we're trying to just shore things up and keep it healthy there. Um, but I think the ratio between aerobic and anaerobic training is going to be very, very much like a, let's say you train five times a week. It's going to be like a four to one ratio, if that. And maybe over the course of a, um, the course of a month, let's say you train twenty times, we're looking on like a uh, every two weeks. Again, if that that you do unsustainable work, because I would argue that. For long-term health, the aerobic system is much more important, and it's much more important to maintain. Any points you want to add, guys? Um, so, what you said about long-term health, aerobics more important. Yes, that's the one that's going to carry you through everyday life and allow you to have more energy, uh, recover better day to day, and when you get to eighty years old, the one that's going to help you walk down to the shop to get your pint of milk. Yeah. Um, exactly. I think as you get to an advanced level client, you do have the ability to express these uh, high power, these electric power type workouts. Exposure to them is important, just so you know what it feels like. You need to know what these responses feel like in your body. Let's say you are, I know someone's trying to stab you, you need to run away. But you, you will be anaerobic very quickly because you'll be highly stressed. And you'll be booking it pretty quick. Yeah. If if you know what that feels like, you know you've been there. Like you will cope better, and you won't just shut down and panic. Yeah. So nope. exposure to these is important, just so you understand what it's like. But it's not important for long longevity and health. Right. But it's, it's very low down on the list of priorities, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you have to understand what it feels like, but you don't need to train it. Yeah. Often. I think before we wrap up, what I liked about one of the last podcasts we did is we did some like avatars um, for what a session might look like for each level. Um, so, Will, why don't you start us off with a beginner? Um, I think I'll, I'll take the advanced because I've done, I've worked with more advanced level clients, I think. And Stefan, why didn't you go for the intermediates? So what would, Will, a, a beginner's uh, energy system 
workout look like? Ignoring, they've done some strength work in that session, um, they've done all their patterns, and they're now just doing a little workout at the end of it. So what might that look like for a beginner? Um, could be something as simple as, let's say they are still very, very new. Um, there's someone who is over fat, that they've started to do the gym, they do a little bit of um, strength work and their um, conditioning piece at the end could be something as simple as 10 minutes on the bike at a very easy pace. Every two minutes they're going to get off to go for 30 seconds in a wall set. Like it. Super simple. Um, excellent, that's, that's it. They might do that for a couple of weeks and you might add a little bit of time you might go to 12 minutes go up to 12 minutes yeah. yeah you're just trying to increase the volume and build them up from that point aren't you and increase their tolerance um so stefan what would an intermediate aerobic workout look like um well as we mentioned like this one's going to have a lot more variability um because of the skill level and uh, the complexity of the skill can increase a little bit but there's loads of different examples I can give that, but I'm going to go with the point I mentioned earlier about fartlek training. So, um, for the fartlek session, uh, we're going to go for 30 minutes, and then every two minutes, the pace is going to change. So, they're going to start off with a brisk walk. So, it's going to be two minutes of a brisk walk, and then on that second minute, they're going to turn it to a jog uh, at their sustainable, sustainable pace. Then, on the... Uh, Two minutes after that, they're going to increase that to a faster run. Uh, still sustainable, but it's like they're starting to get out of breath now. They're starting to, because they'll know they're pacing roughly at this point because of all that work that we've done in the, that beginner stage. Um, they're starting to get out of breath a little bit, but they're still able to hold a conversation. And then on that two minutes later, they're going to change direction. They're going to run the opposite way, sustaining that same pace. And then two minutes later, they're going to drop down and then maybe they're going to start laterally shuffling for two minutes. Um, and then, because they might not have any access to different terrain or hills, um, and then they're just going to keep repeating a process similar to that. So it's going to be randomized. So it's a lot of variability, but it's also still sustainable for a prolonged period of time. I like it. Um, for an advanced level client, I'm going to keep it quite simple. Um, but still going to be complex. Uh, <laughs> does that make any sense? It doesn't, does it? It's, it's going to be yeah, it's you're a complex not workout. Make it the worst workout we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be uh, a mixed modal workout. They're going to do three 10 minute AMRAPs. Uh, so an AMRAP is as many rounds as possible in that 10 minutes. They're going to have five minutes rest in between. Uh, the, the three AMRAPs that they're going to do is. Um, Going to be a 200 meter run. It's going to be 10 power cleans and then 10 box jumps. And their aim is to obviously get as many rounds as they can, but each time they repeat the workout, they've got to get the same score or slightly increase it. Um, so that their score, their um, their focus is more about pace in practice. Um, so they're doing that on a Saturday, and that's their workout for that day. They're going to try and push like the 80-85% mark in terms of effort. Um, yeah, that's that's what I would use for an advanced level client. Um, again, as as that client is, becomes more and more advanced, we might just increase the complexity of those different exercises. We might, instead of a 200-meter run, we might do 250-meter row. Instead of box jumps, we might do burpee box jump overs. And instead of power cleans, we might do full cleans. So it's increasing the complexity as we go along. So yeah, rounds us off quite nicely at 59 minutes. So we might as well wrap up there. Um, if you have enjoyed this podcast and enjoyed the information, give those workouts a go. See where you think you fit. Use them potentially use them as a bit of an assessment, um, and then put a training protocol in place. Test it again six weeks later or six months later. Um, if, however, you really don't understand or you don't know where you are as a client then give us a call time to stop spending money on programs that don't work for you that aren't designed for you um, that don't take you into account get yourself a coach and drop us an, uh, an email at info at base.training 
Um, yep, yeah. awesome, great podcast, and we'll see you next time. Um, peace out. Deuces. <laughs>